You are listening to the Treasuring Christ Church podcast. At TCC, we believe that church isn't just like a family, but it is a family. We hope you're encouraged by listening to God's word today, but we would love to see you on Sundays at 1030. For more information, check us out online at tccannarbor.com. Okay, so stressful season. You're going to hear a little bit about that little thing. But um, yeah, so um, we all have stressful seasons, right? Mm-hmm. We, all, we all carry around a whole lot of stress in our lives. Um, I, we often come home from our days and we just have to decompress. You know, you come home to whoever your safe person is and you're just processing what in the world you experience during the day. And the other day I was actually sharing with my husband. I was just kind of processing and I was like, you know, I just feel tense and frustrated all the time. Like I have a headache like all the time. And it wasn't until I started to say those words that I realized like what the baseline of my life had become. That I was walking around with a clenched jaw, a mild headache. See, right? The teeth grinding, the 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 TMJ, the tense shoulders, the racing mind that can't stop with all that needs to be accomplished. Um, I think we, the world that we live in right now, the uh, the upheaval of all the times, we have all been through so much stress. I'm going to share a little bit of mine. I'm kind of hesitant to do that because honestly, when we when we start to share circumstances, we all go. Well, you don't have it as hard as I do, or, oh my gosh, I don't have it as bad as you. But the reality is that we all have our own hard, you know, we all have our own stress in a season. So here's, here is from a point of humility, here are my circumstances that cause me daily stress. So four years ago, my family moved from a different state to Ann Arbor, Michigan to plant a church. So we're church planters. We are pioneering ministry leaders trying to figure out how to share the gospel in our city. Let's see if I can get this title higher. Nope, just break it. Okay. Um, stress. Weird. Thanks. Stress. Weird. Thanks. Oh. Oh. Thank you. Pull it there. Perfect. Okay. So we are church planters. We're trying to figure out how in the world to start something from scratch um, to build a healthy and sustainable church out of nothing. Um, There's really no playbook on how to do it. There's a lot of wise counsel, but there's no like step formula exactly how you need to do it. Um, While church planting, I've had three kids. So I moved to Ann Arbor with one and God's story is also really awesome to hear. The Lord, I'd wanted children, but God in his timing decided that the time he was going to bring kids to my life was the day that I sold my house in uh, North Carolina to move here. So all of a sudden, my journey of church planting was wrapped up in childbearing as well. Um, so I have three kids, three, uh, the, uh, four kids, three, three and under. So two, uh, the, three kids were born in two and a half years time. Um, Michael, my husband, is a, the lead church planter. I work part-time as our kids ministry director. So I work about 20 hours a week. Um, Michael is a PhD student in seminary. He's an intense researching and writing phase of his dissertation. Mm -hmm. In ministry, finances are really tight. We are far from family. We have nobody in in Michigan who lives near us. Like family, family. Our church is our family. Mm -hmm. We're learning a new culture, a new way of life. And, you know, then there was that whole worldwide stressor of COVID, you know. So just like you guys, we're all in that boat. Uh, we are processing anxiety and fear, um, loneliness, thwarted plans, staying at 
<laughs> watching, watching major worldwide crisis unfold every single day. And then we were educating our child at home while I was perpetually pregnant for three years and had a newborn. So I had a, I had a crawler and then my baby was born. So I had two that didn't walk, three in diapers um, while educating my first grader and teaching her how to read. Um, and had a fledgling church plant. And so if I'm honest, though, the funny thing of all of the ministry, all the things, the thing that stresses me out the most is my motherhood, right? Um, so it, I often joke that in order, like I, I say that motherhood in my daily life is like trying to disarm a bomb. You are like sitting there going, okay, red wire, blue wire. Where are your shoes? Why are you crying? Why is there poop on the floor? No, put that back. You don't need that right now. Okay, you have to put down the Sharpies. You want a snack? Oh, you need to go potty. Okay, hey, babe, would you go stir the pot on the stove? I need to help him go to the bathroom. Okay, no, no, you can't wear that out of the house. Um, oh, okay, we, we did it. We got everybody's shoes on. We're ready to go. Oh, Graham has a fever. Okay, so we can't go. We're ready. I'm sorry you're crying. I know. Um... But today's church, you're the pastor. I'm the kids ministry director. Who's actually going to lead the church? You know, so that's like the moment of our daily life. And the focus of like just trying to stay calm under circumstances is just what, um, what I live with. But I know my circumstances aren't yours. And so on your note page, you have your very first question is just to take a moment and jot down your stressors. So I'd just love to give you a second. What are the things that make your jaw clench? and make you a little uptight. I'll keep that in mind. Okay, so look, taking a look at your list, here are some of the things, like when you do a Google search of stressful seasons. Here are some of the things that kind of come up and see if any of yours are on this list. Transitioning into adulthood as a college student or a young professional, trying to figure out anything new for the first time, starting a new job. Um, that would be like also young motherhood or your first time parents, but then also honestly parenting for the entire duration of your parenthood is stressful. You don't know what to do. You've never done it before. They're so, they require so much. Um, entering retirement, unknown seasons, the pressures that come with finding a new identity, moving, everything is out of place and your life is chaotic and you're building a new community while also tripping over boxes, home renovations, um, delayed timelines, living with other people in order for that to happen, work pressure, you can have bosses with demands just on you all the time, caring for aging parents, all of a sudden the roles are reversed and you have to meet needs. Financial strain, grief, divorce or a broken relationship, job loss, health crisis. And honestly, when we face these stressors, we really wanna crawl up into a ball of discouragement and despair. Or you might be the other way, you might wanna set a goal and like dig your way out of it. Like, okay. I need to get myself out of this ball and I'm going to go into hyper control mode in order to get out of it. Or sometimes we just numb the pain and just try to get through it. 
But today, what I'm hoping for for you in your, in your stressful season is actually to offer you really tender encouragement. Um, and we're going to do that by lifting our eyes to God and pointing you to biblical hope. But I actually need to start with a caveat. Today's breakout is actually one of just general encouragement, though I pray it's really life-giving and helpful. If you are finding yourself in a situation where um, you are in major crisis or really struggling, this is not a replacement for going to seek professional help and counseling that you may need. And so this is encouragement, and I pray that it is really helpful. But if you find yourself in a place of brokenness today, like hear me from the very beginning say, go, do not be ashamed to go get professional help. I encourage you to find a Christian counselor to walk with you through this time. But I am not that. So what I can do as another sister in Christ is to show you God who has encouraged me and who has hope and encouragement for you. And so we're going to talk about um, our hope in stressful seasons. I really appreciate it how um, Andrea started last night. And we're going to talk about the word hope. What is hope, right? It's kind of an abstract idea. It's like what, you know, it's it's a con- not a concrete concept. And even as I Googled it online, it was really interesting. To, I thought like, what do unbelievers have to hope in? What do you hope for? You kind of like, I hope dad gets off of work on time, but he's probably not, you know, or I hope I make it through this dark circumstance. But if I don't believe in God, I don't really know what the basis of hope truly is. And so as I read online, it was really interesting. They were talking about hope is like a general positivity that the world is going to end out, end up okay. And you can set goals and you can get through it. And I thought, well, that is hopeless for me because I live in this world and that's not true, you know, and I can't actually set goals enough to get myself out of it. So here's what biblical hope is. And I really appreciated how John Piper said this on the Desiring God blog post, if you want to look it up. But biblical hope is the confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. Biblical hope is not a mere desire for something good to happen. It is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. Biblical hope has moral certainty in it. When the word, we're going to read the passage in a second, says hope in God, it doesn't mean cross your fingers. It means, use, to use the words of William Carey, expect great things of God. Hope is faith. So we've got faith, hope, and love. Hope is faith in the future tense. So it's the future faith that God really is God. He is going to do what he says he's going to do. And so we expect great things from God. Because we know with certainty that he will. So how do we fuel hope in our stressful seasons? I could tell you a whole lot of different things. There are a lot of action steps. There are a lot of great time management skills or even words of encouragement from the word. I could tell you to be in your local church. I could tell you to cultivate meaningful relationships. But I'm going to actually do it differently by focusing on attributes of God. We're going to do that by looking at Psalm 42, verse 5. So if you have your Bibles, open to Psalm 42, Verse five. I love this whole passage. I would encourage you to read it. But let's focus just on verse five right now. It says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise him again, my salvation and my God. 
why are you casting out of yourself? Hope in God. Like that is your hope, O soul. And so we are going to focus today on the God of our hope. We have to build a practical theology to see, have enough framework in our brain to apply the truths to our specific circumstances. The New City Catechism is something that we do with our kids. And the first question is, what is our only hope in life and death? The answer is, we are not our own, but belong to God. And so today we're, I'm going to invite you to pull up a seat to the table of feasting on God. I'm going to show you a five of his attributes. Your note page says six, but I realize in my finiteness that you can't handle six. I can't handle six. There are like 20 plus attributes of God in, in proper theology, and you could apply all 20 of them. And so if this really encourages you, I would actually commend the study of the attributes of God to you. Um, in, in further reflection and encouragement. Today's message is largely pulled from, I'm going to grab my backpack and make to pull out this book. It is pulled largely from a book. If you have not read it, I highly commend it to you. It's Jen Wilkins' None Like Him book. She has a sister, a sister companion book called In His Image. And these are two books that go hand in hand. And so there, typically in theology, you're like, I did not know I was coming to a theology class. It is a practical theology for you. But typically the theologians take the attributes of God and they divide them up into two categories. Incommunicable and communicable attributes. Incommunicable attributes are the things, the ways that God is not like us and we could never, ever be like him. And then the communicable ones are the ways that we that God is like us and we can grow in being like him. Like that would be wisdom, kindness, goodness, mercy. Those are the ways in which we can relate to God. And so the sister book that is in his image is about the communicable attributes. Today, I am just focusing on five. I had to pick. And so I'm picking on five incommunicable attributes. That is five truths that God is not like you. And that is really good news for you. And so let's go ahead and get started. Okay, so the first one that we're going to be talking about, truth number one, hope number one, like William Carey said in the John Piper quote too, expect this from God. God is infinite. He is the God of no limits. So to put this another way, God cannot be measured, but everything else in the world is measured by him. He is infinite. He goes on and on and on. And his infinitude is the foundational attribute, the foundational attribute that is actually the underbelly of all of the other attributes. He is infinitely everything else. You think about a parallel line, you know, a line that goes on and on and on. God is without the ability to end or begin. And then his attributes are that way too. So he is infinitely wise. He never stops being wise. There is no beginning or end to his wisdom. He is infinitely good, loving, like all of these things. And so he, his, his infinitude is the basis and his nature keeps going and going and is beyond limit or understanding. But we, on the other hand, are not. Within minutes of our birth, we are measured. I was told that I was about eight pounds, 10 ounces. I was about 20 inches long. I know I was born on February 25th, 1987. And our life continues to be measured and full of boundaries. And, um, and we are finite. 
for the rest of our lives. We are given 24 hours in a day for a certain unknown length of time, maybe, maybe 80 to 90-ish years. We are given an allotted finite amount of money in our bank accounts. Like it or not, probably you don't like it. <laughs> we know that here in Michigan in February, expect 10 to 20 degree days. Our homes are a certain number of bedrooms and square footage. Our football fields are 100 yards. Our feet, mine, fit in size nine and a half shoes. We're told a speed limit we have to drive. We are given expectations for work and home. And then we wrestle with those limitations, right? Oh my gosh, they're so frustrating. We are. This is the boundary of our life that God has drawn. But in the same way, we also, also really like our measuring. We can find comfort in our measuring. We like to measure because it helps us know if we are measuring up. How big is our house? How much do we have to clean? How much money can we control? We can look at other people. Okay, I'm about like that. Or, oh, my gene size is too big, so I need to do this. Or however we are calculating our measurements, we feel like we can control something that we can define. But it says that being, um, it is reassuring imparts, imparts to us a level of comfort or a sense of control. It is comprehensible, it is attainable, and we, are, we know if we're doing a good enough job. But God, in his infiniteness, he upends, Jen Wilkins says this in her book, he upends our personal sense of awesomeness by his inability to be measured. We cannot understand that. And all of a sudden, we're a little undone. We don't really understand that. Or if we find ourselves in comparison and we're going, we think we're looking around going, yeah, 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 we're doing pretty good. We look at God who's infinite. We're like, oh, okay, well, maybe not, you know? <laughs> um, but then on the reverse, our measureless God can give such encouragement to us because if we are measuring against everybody else and we do not come up wanting, we, we are come up wanting, he is, the deep, he is the measureless God who deeply consoles us and comforts us when we don't measure up. So, Isaiah 42, verses 12 through 13, I would encourage you to look this up. He says, Who has measured the waters waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man gives him counsel? So our infinite and limitless God who creates everything, he himself measures the mountains but cannot be measured. He is infinite, overflowing with goodness and wisdom and love towards us. He is the one who is with us. He is the one who is with you in your really overwhelming circumstance. He never sleeps. He knows all things. And the good news for us in this stressful season is that that infinite God is the one who is shepherding you through your trial and your stressful season. So here's two hopes that I want to give you as to why his infinitude, his infiniteness is encouragement for you in this stressful season. Number one, and this is, yeah, perfect. Thank you. I forgot that I'm not telling you. No, you're not. I'm just guessing. Thank you. It's perfect. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Um, <laughs> our infinite God is the one who, in infinite wisdom and infinite love, draws the boundaries of our life. So he gave us his law lovingly, and he drew a boundary. And he said, do not sin in anger when you are stressed out. And when, when don't get mad 
when things aren't going your way. That is a loving boundary he has given you. He's given you a body so that you are physically bound to one place at a time, no matter how many ways you wish you could divide yourself. He gave you a body that has to sleep and, and requires atten attention and maintenance. He has drawn these boundary lines. He has put you there. And he actually gave you the allotted amount of stress, even, according to his sovereign will. It might feel like too much. The old adage of God never gives you anything you can't handle, that's actually not true. We are to use that stress to run to God, right? But he gave you that stress. He gave you just enough time in the day for what he wants you to have. He gave you just enough money and put it in your hands. I'm not saying it's actually enough to pay the bills or that you don't need to find another way to make ends meet. But God has given you the circumstances that you are in for your good and for his glory. Amen. Point number two is that our infinite God designed us as finite with a purpose. And here's the purpose, that we can see that we are not him. Mm -hmm. And then we can cry out to him for help, who freely gives us all we need. So when you hit up against your limit, run to your infinite, limitless God. He never grows tired or weary. He strengthens the weak. He tenderly cares for the broken. Breathe easy that he does not expect you to be limitless. Rejoice in your boundaries and your circumstances and lean into him and cry out to him for help. Hope number two is that God is self-sufficient and he is the God of infinite provision. So I think when I read, when I was reading and studying and preparing, I see a lot of connection between this and his, his infinitude. But it's also because it's, he is infinitely this. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean for God to be self-sufficient? I want you to go to Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 25. Okay, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So there are a lot of passages in the Bible that will talk about God being self-sufficient, but this one's really clear. It says that God doesn't need anything. He is the creator of it all, and the world has its full source in him, and he is the source of all that they have, but he doesn't need anything. He is the God of infinite provision. Another way to say it is that he is always full. He has everything he needs all the time. 
when our kids are born, I have a little tradition where I give them a hymn. My husband and I like kind of prayerfully consider a song that we want to be their song when throughout the rest of their life. And so at their bedtime, we sing that sing over them their song for their for their life. And our hope is that I love hymns because they're easy and they're they transcend time. So no matter what season of life they're in, I pray that they will hear the song suddenly, randomly in a different place. And they will be drawn back to a moment where they've heard this truth a hundred times over and it becomes the prayer for them. And so my third, my, so if you have my ages, I've got my sweet eight-year-old and then I had my two-year-old or my, my three-year-old. And then, um, I was five months pregnant. I was, I had a five month old when I found out I was pregnant with my third child, Caroline. So Caroline's hymn, we joke, it, it's, it's true. It's I need thee every hour. <laughs> and, and we sing that song and we joke because like when we found out, we're like, oh, Jesus, we have a five month old and we live in Michigan and I need you every hour. And it's actually during COVID. She was born in 2020. And um, and so she also is full of life. I sing, I need you every hour, Lord Jesus, over her because she is a spunky little booger. <laughs> but it's not my own prayer that I hope that she hears as I, as I sing that over for her. I want to be singing over her the path of life every single hour. You need Jesus and he will be your comforter. So God we need God, we need God, but he never needs us or anything around us. He doesn't go to the grocery store to replenish his pantry. He doesn't have to work to save up money to get his goal or to meet his needs. He doesn't get tired at the end of a long day. He's always full. And here's the hope for this, this season. So point number one is that God doesn't need us, but he loves us. We actually think a lot of times that God had like a, a man-shaped hole in his heart and he created us because he needed us. That's actually not true. He created us because he wanted to, because he loved us. Not only do we have real needs every day, but everybody around us has needs and they are clamoring for our needs. They're looking to us for care and provision. Our aging parents, our kids, our employees, they need us, they need us, they need us, but God does not need us. We often think that God created us because he needed us, but instead he is inviting us into relationship with him. He doesn't need us to bring him glory. He doesn't need us to carry out his mission. He doesn't even need us to accomplish his purpose or plan. He created us and walked with us simply because he loves us. And he invites us into that. That is good news for us. Jen Wilkins says in the book again, we need him every hour, but he needs us not at all. This is the best news we could hear because if God needed us in any way, we would certainly let him down. Maybe not immediately, but eventually. Even the most consistent among us drops the ball more than we would like to admit. Praise God that his plans, his purpose does not rely on my faithfulness. His joy does not hinge on my good behavior. His glory does not depend on my performance. Hallelujah. And yet he loves me deeply and eternally for no other purpose than according to the pleasure of his goodwill. Point number two, we can stop 
pretending to be self-sufficient in our struggles. And we can be vulnerable enough to show our need. Rather than saying, I'm fine at church to the person whom you're talking, you can say, you know, it's been a really hard week. Rather than running on three hours of sleep, trying to finish the task that you have to get done, you can lay your head on the pillow and get the sleep you need, trusting the unfinished project of the Lord. Rather than throwing your hands up in the air, you can pick up the phone and reach out to somebody for help in a moment of pressure to ask for their prayer or maybe a tangible help. Point number three, the hope that we have, we can find comfort in the fact that God himself understands what it's like to need. This is just the craziest thing that during his time on earth, Jesus, the self-sufficient God became a needy person. I don't know how that works, honestly. He had to withdraw and rest a while. He didn't heal every single sick person. He had to stop and eat. He was a carpenter and had to work. He had to look to God, the Father, to meet his earthly needs. And this is kind of crazy to think about because he could feed the 5,000, right? So he was fully self-sufficient and fully not self-sufficient at the same time. But either way, Jesus looks at you and he says compassionately, I know firsthand that's really hard to have me. God's grace is sufficient for you. God will supply all of all that you need. The fourth point, it's really encouraging that God made us with needs and he made everybody around us with needs so that we can be used by God to help others and meet others' needs. That was the invitation in. He doesn't need us, but he invites us into meeting other people's needs. And this is actually really joyful in our stressful situations to get our eyes off of ourselves and to love someone else. It's how God fueled for us to love others is to dig us out of the stress that we are in and gives us compassion and the heart that he has. It has us live on mission, seeking the good of others. And it breathes life back into us. Okay. Hope number three for you is that God is eternal. He is the God of infinite days. God is unlimited by time. So much so that he begins, he, he determines its beginning and its end. Genesis famously begins with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then that's the very beginning of the Bible. At the very end of the Bible, in Revelation 1.8, it says, God says, I am the Alpha and Omega, who was and who is and who was and who is to come. God has always been. He is here right now. And he will always be in the future. Not only has God always been and always will be, God's reign of time as the eternal God means that his actions happen at the right time. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says, He has assigned for everything a season and a time 
for every matter under heaven. So in stressful seasons, how can we find hope that God is eternal? We can believe, number one, is that we can believe that God is, that we can believe his timing is good. The sudden loss or the diagnosis that you might have gotten might seem like the worst possible timing. And we might want to question God's wisdom and goodness. But Ecclesiastes 3 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. We hear that passage, and we want God to make everything beautiful in our time. We want to, We might honestly go to the grave with the problems that are plaguing us right now. But that does not mean that the problem lies with his timing, but our perception of it. We can't understand the God who transcends time. His perspective and insight is infinitely greater than our own. He will make this beautiful in its time. Maybe not on our timeline, but on his. Hope number two of God being eternal is that we can know that though God is eternal, we, on the other hand, have limited days. So how will we use them? Will we long for the past when the season wasn't here or the life was simpler? Will we long for the future when our current problems are long gone? Will we idly do nothing, numbing the pain and praying that we will make it through to the other side? Or will we live fully in the present, asking God to use even these stressful moments to accomplish his loving plan in our own lives and through us? One of my favorite statements is said by Jonathan Edwards. It says, stamp eternity on your eyeballs. We need to stamp eternity on our eyeballs and see that one day God will make everything right and wipe away all of our tears. And also today he has given himself to us to comfort us and he has given us a job to do in his kingdom. There is urgency for today. He has given us real purpose, not because he needs us, because he lovingly includes us in the joy of following him. In Psalm 90, Moses makes a really bold request of God. He says, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. Establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Jen Wilkin makes this point about that passage. Here's the remarkable truth. God is able to bring eternal results from our time-bound efforts. In your moving, in your childbearing, in your caring for aging parents, your work, your job loss, your financial strain, your work pressures that we live with open hands and we say, God of infinite days, use our very limited days to impact eternity for your glory. Keep going. He has a job for you. Point number four is that God is immutable. This is a weird word. God is immutable. He is the God of infinite sameness. Hebrews 13, 8. 
Are we seeing slugs and bugs at our house? I don't know if any of you guys with little kids do slugs and bugs. So there's one. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. James 1, 17 says, in celebrating God, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So this fourth attribute is that God is immutable. Immutable means that he is unchanging and also incapable of changing. What he has said in the word and who he is, is a firm and fixed variable, a rock that can't be moved. We, on the other hand, are always changing. Our circumstances are always changing. Herein lies a lot of our stress. We can't get our hands around the world. And it's changing right before our eyes. We have to pivot, maybe even duck and cover when life throws us a curveball. Then we try to adapt to the new rhythm and we're kind of wonky and insecure as we try to adapt to this new life circumstance. But then I guess some change isn't always stressful. We might find hope that we this situation can change. But I maybe I'm a little bit more of a realist these days. If you like, I get a little anxious, like it can change, but will it get better? You know, like we don't really know if the circumstances on the other side of this are going to be any better than what we're in. But there's a lot of comfort and hope to be gleaned from the fact that the only sure and steady thing that you can experience in this life is God himself. He is always there. His promises are always true. He is constant when nothing else is. Two years ago, my grandmother passed away. Um, I moved a lot in my childhood. And so this house is the only house that stayed the same. I can even still see it. Oh my gosh, it just brings like tears to my eyes. You can see those peach love seats in that living room. And there's a secretary desk right in front. And my you could almost with certainty guarantee that my grandpa was sitting there and he was sitting on the edge of the armchair really annoyed at my grandma who was running behind and he would say in his he would say golly jean when are we gonna leave like that was like the scene that i would walk into every time i walked into my grandma's house and it just brings me so much joy to think about um but i really wish i could experience that moment again in the last year that house has been sold i will never go into that house again i my current life feels super new I'm far from family, in a new culture, in young motherhood, starting a new church. I really want roots. I want the, the, the comfort of familiar surroundings. I want my family and my traditions to comfort me and anchor me, but only God can. In our family, we have a rule when we're expressing our frustration with each other. This is our conflict rule. We cannot use the phrase always or never. My husband, my husband doesn't do anything always. He not, doesn't always never do something. We say it's always never true to say always or never. The particular grievance might happen often, but not always. God is the only always and never. In seasons of stress, it gives me so much hope to have a rock that I can depend on. A God who never changes who is always there. 
He always forgives. He always sustains. His gospel never changes. He is always on the throne. I can tuck myself in under the safety of knowing that no matter where I am or what thing I am experiencing, I am safe with my immutable God. Attribute number five, God is omnipresent, the God of infinite place. Our bodies are physically bound to one spot. There are a lot of kids shows that that, that try to do this little game where there's a spell or something and they divide themselves and they try to do all the things they're supposed to do. And I don't know if you've seen them, but it, the spoiler alert is that it never goes well. Like that's the whole plot line. They try and then they can't actually go two places at one time. But God is different than us. He is omnipresent, which literally means that he is limitless, limitlessly present. He's not merely really big. He's imminent. He's transcendent. He's uncontainable. You can't put him in a container. He's everywhere. He's big. He's not partly present in some places as if he's playing a crazy game of Twister. Like his elbow's not over here and his foot over on the other side of the world. Mm -hmm. Like he is fully everywhere all the time. As transcendent, he is fully present in his crea- creation, but he isn't his creation. This is interesting in our even post-Christian, at least my, my world is post-Christian in Ann Arbor. In my post-Christian culture, this is where it's different. And they believe that God is everywhere, but God is the tree. God is not his creation. He is different than his creation. Pantheists believe that God is this or that or this. We say he is transcendent and he is different but he is everywhere. In 1 Kings 8-2, Solomon says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. There are a lot of different applications to God being omnipresent. But here's two that I think offer you hope in your stressful circumstances. If God is omnipresent, and he is, you don't have to be, and you never could be. The internet and smartphones can fuel our hunger to be like God. We think that we can be in a few places at one time. So we can be scrolling social media and hanging out with our family, at work and grocery shopping online at home and at work because we now work from home and we can work wherever we need to be. I don't know how that works. We can be sitting with grandma at the nursing home and FaceTiming our daughter's dance recital. In seasons of stress, we're often pulled way too thin. And that's honestly one of the reasons why it's too stressful. You're needed here and there. You need to divide yourself into a hundred people to be everywhere that you're supposed to be. But also the demands are stressful that we honestly want to be anywhere else than where we are. And so we scroll our phones to check out and to numb. We scroll our phones for way too long. We like to think that we are present and enjoying family time. But the reality is we're just not. We're not in two places at one time. 
We actually cannot multitask. We call it multitasking. We cannot actually multitask. That is a scientific proof. You can flip back and forth between activities quickly, but you cannot multitask. We can only do one thing at a time. God made us bound by place and he is not. And we can sigh a breath of relief realizing that we can not simply hold ourselves to the impossible standard of being everywhere that we need to be. We can ask God for help to joyfully be present where he has placed us. Point number two, encouragement of his omnipresence. If God is omnipresent, and he is, he is here with you and your loved one, if that's causing you stress. <coughs> Jesus was called Emmanuel, God with us. And that's exactly who God is. He is walking with us through the valley of the shadow of death. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. He doesn't have to greet you in the morning. Hey, how'd you sleep? Or in the evening with, how's your day? He's been with you for the whole of it. He's with your child who just went off to college. He's with your aging parents when you aren't. In the midst of the toil and care for your finances, he is with you and attentively caring for you. I'll never forget the early days of my young motherhood and being at home in the four walls of my house and struggling with purpose and sleeplessness and anxiety. I didn't know what to do and my house was a wreck and I didn't want to clean it. Um, I would be crying at the sink and I just was so lonely and anxious and God was with me in that. I just cried, like, God, you see me. You, you approve of me. You are with me. And you're on my side. And so this is honestly our concluding thought here. That no matter what you are facing today, God is with you. Psalm 16 is one of my favorite passages. So if you need something, run to Psalm 16. But it concludes with this thought. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. If God is with you, there is fullness of joy. Because in his presence, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand, he's right here. There are pleasures and joy to be had. Because he is this beautiful God that we could drink fully from all the days of our life. And so I pray that today as you leave and you're processing the stress, that despite the circumstances that you are facing, you are encouraged that God is infinite. He has no limits. He is self-sufficient. He doesn't need you, but he loves you. God is eternal. He is the God of infinite days, but he has given you today. He is immutable. He is the rock. That no matter what is happening in the world, he is the same and he is omnipresent. You don't have to be, but he sees you and he's with you right where he's placed you. Let's pray.